Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Housing Wire Daily. I am here with lead analyst Logan Motoshami, and we're going to talk about all things housing. Of course, we're going to talk about housing starts. We're going to talk about builder sentiment. We're going to talk about why the mob should take cues from local government on how to prevent housing. Uh, they're great at it. So lots of macro data is in this week, which means, of course, you are happy as a clam. So why don't we start off with the big one, which, of course, housing starts. So they fell 2% month over month in June to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of about 1.559 million. And uh, and if you peel it back a little bit further, single family housing starts dropped 8.1% month over month to a seasonally adjusted rate of 982,000, which is the lowest rate since April, 2020. That that sounds pretty troubling to me, but you're the expert. Logan, what's, what's your take on this? Well, as part of my recession, uh, red flag model, uh, housing falling into recession is something I look for. And for me, it's always, uh, as all analysts should do, is try to find inflection points uh, of where we are in the economic expansion and what can actually impact housing. So uh, it all actually happened back in March. In, in March, the 10-year yield broke above 1.94%. That means 4% plus mortgage rates. Uh, that's been a kind of my line in the sand since the summer of 2020. So to me, that was when the material change happened. And even back in March, when the new home sales report came out and it was fine, I said, you know what, this this sector is in risk uh, because of higher rates. And that's what traditionally happens with the new home sales sector. When rates go higher, uh, it, it'll impact demand. The issue now has been with, it's the same issue with the existing home sales market. Home price growth was so massive in 2020, 2021, and in the early parts of 2022, that the higher rates would impact the sector more. So naturally, what happened here is that housing starts, the one of the main issues that we've had to deal with in the last few years, it takes forever to build a home. Yes. So in a sense, you go in contract with a mortgage rate of three, three and a half percent. And then when you're home is ready to be uh, given to you, mortgage rates are five and a half, six percent. So some people were naturally uh, not going to qualify. So it takes time for this to uh, infiltrate the other data lines. But pretty much at that point, I was kind of, you know, uh, when, when am I going to raise the recession red flag? And actually, in June, uh, I did it for the housing starts data. Uh, even though it looks fine right now, the future of this sector uh, it means that housing starts are going to fall. Single family starts are going to fall. The builders have to manage their uh, their supply. They're currently six months of their supply is going to be uh, homes in construction. They have to sell that those homes off and then slow down on you know home building until they're more comfortable. Uh, and that would require rates to come back down uh, to protect their business model. And uh, as of now, it looks perfectly normal. Uh, it's it just uh, we we kind of lost the housing market in March. It's just now finally coming into the data a little bit more clearly. Got it. And I think we've both noticed there are a lot more cancellations, especially for new home sales lately. Is that another reason to believe that maybe you know that this is going to represent some pretty bad times ahead for for this segment? 
Well, here's the, the new home sales sector is much different than what we saw in the run up in 2002 to 2005. And one of the things I'd like to highlight to people is that new home sales currently right now is you know already below the recession of 2000. It's actually back to 1996 levels. It's going to head lower. So we're not working from a, an overheating housing demand where you know demand will collapse so fast that supply will increase so much and the builders have no choice but to just majorly discount to get rid of. Uh, they're kind of, uh, they, they're mindful of mortgage rates, even if they don't admit it. So they're going to slowly end their production of single family homes and just, you know, discount more on the homes they have right now and wait to see where mortgage rates are. So it's a much different backdrop, but I had to raise the recession red flag uh, in June because it looks perfectly normal to me what happens in kind of economic expansions and recessionary times. A higher mortgage rates matter, even if they are historically low, but they impact the new home sales sector much more aggressively than the existing home sales marketplace. And, and to that point, Logan, I, I mean, we also see that a lot of these builders have a huge number of homes that they haven't even begun construction on, right? And I, I would imagine that they're going to wait a few months you know, see where we are in the economic cycle, what mortgage rates look like, what, what consumer demand looks like. If, if we see big job losses, I mean, that changes everything, right? Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting in the aspect that, you know, when we look at, you know, the 7.7 months of supply, which in, in a sense, I, I have kind of a monthly supply uh, a guideline for the new home sales sector. Once it gets above three, six and a half months on a three month average, that the, the cycle is in a sense lost. But here, the, the unique aspect is that, 0.68 months of supply is actually finished product uh, uh, or that, that they have. There's like 2.2 2 months of active supply that's out there. And then there's six months that is uh, uh, that are homes that are in construction. So that is a lot of homes under construction and it takes forever. So I imagine they're just going to take their time, see what's going on. Uh, if rates fall, it'll benefit them, of course. Uh, but it, it's one of these things. They're they're in a much different spot than uh, they were in 2005, where new home sales were well over one uh, over a million, uh, and the housing starts were so much higher, and housing completions were so much higher. Here, they have a little bit of a, a little bit of wiggle room to work itself. But don't look for the builders to build because their job is to make money. Their job is not to provide. Uh, uh, homes out there to compete against, and this is this has always been my thing. The existing home sales market is their competition, right? And every decade that goes by, there's more and more of those homes out there versus the bill, how much they're selling. So they are really mindful of never oversupplying a market to destroy their business model. So, uh, it, and this is something you know we talked about last year on Housing Wire when rates rise. Don't expect a construction boom because they don't put their heads down in the sand and build. They just build what they can sell. And, and now we're at that stage to where people can understand this is the kind of housing dilemma we have in America. Uh, if we need mortgage rates to stay low at 3 to 4% for the builders to build while the existing home sales market is seeing 15 to 20% home price growth, that's not a good trade-off. Right, uh, because that's housing. It's a very dangerous condition overall. Right? Yeah, so it's it's just it, we we just got caught in a very very bad spot with inventory, and the builders really pushed it. They pushed it on pricing just because they they could. They had pricing power, and uh, obviously, uh, kind of the quote I've been giving out all year is that 
we needed higher rates to put home sellers and home builders on their ass. Because if they go unchecked, they're simply doing what every human being is doing. They're looking out for their own financial interests. So they're going to milk pricing as much as they can. And now they can't. And, uh, and this is going to happen in the existing home sales market as well. Pricing will change. We'll create some balance in the world. But the downside is that housing production will slow. And that's the housing dilemma we have in America today. Yeah. And it's interesting because if, if you look at the earnings reports from last year from the big home builders, KB Home and Lennar and, and, and all the big boys, they, they had the best year of their lives. They will probably never have as bountiful a year. And then, and then you look at what last week, you look at the home builder sentiment from the NAHB and it's, it's really down in the dumps. And, and so does that, is, is that maybe because they see a larger swell of inventory of existing home sales and that's their competition? Or is it that in a combination of, of rates and, and, and recession fears? What, what's your take on the sentiment being so low? Here, here, here's, a, here's the one thing about recession fears. When COVID-19 happened, um, we had 20 to 30 million people unemployed, technically. Uh, we had 5 million in forbearance. Housing demand uh, did fine. It's, it's, after we got past the six weeks of everyone was frozen, it, it shot right. Liquidity right back dried up. up. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, it just dried because there's there was always 133 million people working. The new home sales sector isn't that big. You know, the existing home sale market, for example, is running a little bit above over five million, and the new home sales sector is really running between five hundred to six hundred thousand. So they don't need that many buyers. Uh, uh, but they do need mortgage rates to be low. So mortgage rates going lower really helps them. Uh, the, the builder survey, and, and I stress this, it's like the best survey we have in America for economic cycles because it's driven by profit. There's a lot of surveys we have that have kind of ideological takes in them, but the builders are really clear. They just want to make money. So a few months ago, you know, even though historically it was high, it already broke. And, uh, it, it, and even though it didn't look terrible, I, I, I had already raised the recession red flag, knowing that the builders know what's coming. Higher rates is going to impact sales. They're going to get cancellation. So they're going to slow things down. It's very remarkably consistent to other times uh, in history. But uh, here, again, they just want to sell homes to make money. And in the last two years, they had so much pricing power that no matter what lumber prices were or anything, people were going to pay to get that stuff. So get, get the home, which are the new home is much more expensive on an apples to apples basis than in existing homes. Now they don't have that pricing power anymore. So their confidence goes down. They'll slow up production. They'll do, they'll discount. They'll do whatever they can to sell what they have. And that is traditional classic one on one housing builders' behavior within an economic expansion, recession, when rates go up, when rates go down. I mean, just in 2018, uh, when rates got to 5%, I remember one of the builder CEOs saying, it was the worst fourth quarter since the great financial crisis. No, it wasn't. It's just that you couldn't sell your homes fast enough or at the price you wanted. So uh, it is what it is. This is, this is, this is the, the housing dilemma we're in. They need to sell homes for them to build more because their biggest competition, which now is gaining inventory. And this is another thing I, I stress to people. When the builders see total inventory increasing on existing homes, they see that as that's their competition. Those are cheaper homes geographically everywhere. So they're going to be a little bit more mindful going out in the future. But what had to happen was rates had to rise or the 10-year yield had to break 
above one, 1.94%. And, and if you look at the data, you could see that was the inflection point for the housing market. So, so then there is the trillion dollar question, which is we, we've seen the rise in existing home inventory. It's not incredible. It's not like you and your neighbor and everyone else you know is putting their home on the market again, right? It is ticking up. What what do you see in the upcoming few months, Logan, with regard to existing home inventory? So existing home sales, yeah, existing home sales came out this morning down five months big down again, yeah, and. Home prices are up 13% year over year. And that's the savagely unhealthy aspect. And why did this happen? Because inventory cracked to all-time lows in 2020, right in a period with our biggest housing demographic patch and low mortgage rates. So it was going to be tricky to get back to 2019 levels. And this is why I've always focused on 2019 uh, NAR inventory levels, which is about 1.52 million to 1.93 million. Once we get back there, which was literally the four-decade low before 2020, we're in a much better spot on the inventory, and people can see that now. Some of the parts of the United States are cracking into the 2019 level, and the market is changing. That's That inventory, even though it's low historically, will give us enough inventory to, to have a more balanced market. And as long as rates stay high, this is why the whole team higher rates thing inventory should increase. It's just not as fast as people thought. People think we have the housing market of 2002 to 2005, so the inventory channels would skyrocket like they did in 2006. Not the case. Uh, Credit was getting much worse in 2005, 6, 7, and 8. People were filing for foreclosures, bankruptcies. Then the job loss recession happened in 2008. This is a much different dynamics. Higher rates are working to create balance. It's just going to take time. Uh, so we're not back to 2019 inventory left nationally, but there are parts of the United States that are cracking into there. And I believe next year, as long as rates stay high, we'll get back to the 2019 levels and we'll have a, a balanced housing market uh, there. And that's why I've, uh, I've always kept that 1.52 to 1.93 million total inventory NAR as kind of a checker. Uh, that's what we need to break into. And, and then I could take this savagely unhealthy housing market theme off. One question I've always wondered is if, if you got a mortgage in 2020, 2021, let's say you bought a new home or you refied your existing home and, and you probably run what, the twos, threes, right? You're, you're paying a pretty low monthly rate. Would you in this environment list your home? Maybe you get cash and you can buy cash, you know, and, and not have to deal with, with mortgage rates in the fives or sixes. But, but I would think that would create a disincentive. And so I'm surprised that inventory still is, is fairly high. Here's here's the thing. The uh, this is called the like the the lock rate down theory. That mortgage. Why would you sell your house uh, if you have such a low mortgage rate? About thirteen percent of the population that have mortgages have rates of three percent and under. Um, about thirty eight percent of the country have rates between three to four percent. So pretty much majority of the country or or, or half the country is below four percent, but. Every single year, we have traditional active listings of people that have to sell their homes. Now, now here's a here's a thing: a traditional seller that's a primary resident owner traditionally is a buyer as well. You know, uh, so they're selling their house to buy, uh, and a lot of these people that have a lot of equity, you know, mortgage rates at six percent doesn't really impact them as much as other people. Let's say a single renter looking to be a first time home buyer. Two different dynamics there. So. Uh, a seller is a buyer, and this is one of the reasons why, if you go back four decades, the total inventory in America, NAR data, is 
normal is about two to two and a half million. It's only the 2006 to 2011 period where inventory skyrocketed. That was forced selling. So people buy their homes and they stay in there for a long time. That's that's the other new dynamic from 1985 to, to 2007. People stay in their home five to seven years from 2008 to 2022. It's 11 to 13 years in parts of the U.S. It's 15 to 18 years. So people just buy their homes and stay in there. They don't, they don't really move that much. Uh, so I think there's just that active natural listing. Uh, and, and over time, when rates rise, demand slows down, that inventory builds up just because the days on market uh, uh, start to grow. We, we're not there yet. In fact, the NAR data actually showed days on market was down year over year. Surprisingly, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the problem. This is why I've always focused on days on market. I always say, when this is a teenager, nothing good happens. It's like having a bad teenager in your house. You don't want that. You want that in their 30s. You know, Days on market above 30s is a good thing. That means people have choices. That's what the 2019 housing market was. So... Uh, it'll get there, but it'll just take time. I think people were expecting more of a velocity in, in pricing and inventory. It's not the case. We're much, much different dynamics. And this was the, the ground root foundation of saying the housing market was savagely unhealthy uh, early this year. Uh, we have rising prices, rising mortgage rates. So the mortgage rates uh, uh, impact the cost, but you don't have the benefit of prices falling to offset it. Right. This is what kind of was my nightmare scenario going into years 2020 to 2023. If inventory cracked and people are, homeowners are doing really well, but if rates rise, when will inventory actually get high enough to where we could actually see price declines? We're not there, obviously. Uh, so it just takes more time. And, and as long as rates stay high, demand will fall. It'll, it'll, it, the duration is just longer than people have anticipated. But Higher rates are working. It's, it is creating more inventory. It's creating a difference in the marketplace. What we had in 2020, 2021, and the early part of 2022 was savagely unhealthy. The early part of 2022 was the worst housing market I've ever seen post-2010. So we needed balance. And we just don't have any other mechanism to, to create that outside of higher mortgage rates. And, and interestingly, you know, we, we talk about prices still remaining high, and, and they're the velocity of the price growth is declining a little bit. So there is some sign that this is going to abate as, as mortgage rates continue to, to stay in the fives and sixes. But also, rental prices never been higher. Do you see demand? You want to think about this as a history. This is such a historic economic event in our country's history. We had housing inflation on both ends in an, in an unbelievable fashion. Rent inflation traditionally doesn't fall. There's times where, you know, places like New York or San Francisco, you know, I know the Dakotas after the uh, oil bust in 2016, you could get some rental deflation and it just shoots right back up. And you just almost have to keep it simple. Most people are always working. So most people need somewhere to live. So we rental vacancies have been falling for years. Uh, and it was actually harder for me to convince people rents were about to take off than home prices. And then here it is. Here is this big, massive, young demographic force, and everyone's working. You know, so rent inflation should pick up. Uh, it's just a lot more than people had anticipated. So you're getting hit on both ends, and there's no kind of there's nothing you can do. You 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 either rent or you own a home. You don't go homeless when you're working, right? You you, you pay your bills. So. There's no relief. And this is, again, part of the savagely unhealthy housing market. Uh, you got hit on inflation on both sides. 
Uh, and you could see the total inventory when you look back at it for four decades is nowhere near what we were normal in starting of 2022. So uh, the construction of housing takes forever. So there's all these variables that just aren't positives. You just needed to know where to look to kind of see that, oh, this isn't, this isn't going to be good. Uh, and we're all, in a sense, paying the price for it. But if you're a homeowner, if you bought your home after 2010 and you're basically your wages have risen, you refinanced a few times, your fixed debt costs versus your rising wage, you're doing great. And this is one of the reasons why I've talked about, hey, homeowners are doing great. Uh, so if rates rise, don't worry. You know, I know in February of 2021 when I brought that up, hey, listen, we need rates to cool down housing. People know we're, we're still in a recovery. We're in a crisis. Millions are unemployed. No, homeowners are doing fine. You don't have to worry about that. You have to worry about price inflation. And now rent inflation is coming up. So there's, it, it just we got caught in a bad place. There's nothing we can do. We just have to deal with it. And hopefully over time, uh, supply increases. We see that in other parts of the economy where supply is increasing on its own, then weakness and demand. And then we get a more traditional housing market, but you do not have to worry about homeowners. They have, they've had a good for a very long time. They, mul they multiple refinanced during the COVID crisis. Uh, uh, their FICO scores or cash flows are great. Their mortgage payment as a percentage of disposable income are at all time lows. They'll be okay. I think renters and rent inflation is kind of where you know people maybe should focus on. But over time, supply should increase. Uh, the only counter to that is if rates fall again during a recession, then some of that supply growth uh, uh, could be slowed down or reversed. But for now, it's just trying to get back to normal. I mean, we also talk about the issue in supply often stemming from zoning issues, right? And, and you know, it's local governments that typically constrain uh, construction of homes. Do you see any changes? You know, we, we've heard vague statements at the federal level that they want to increase, uh, you know, new construction, but nothing, right? I've, I've never been a construction boom person. I just think the system that we've designed here in America just doesn't facilitate that. So, and we have so much legal... There's a system? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's... there's uh, you know, the, the, the mob could learn from local governments to prevent, you know, housing from being built. You know, the, they have they have cornered that market and just, you know, they're, they're, there's, they are ruthless. They, they will do whatever it takes to not let housing be built. And that's part of the problem. And we talk about it, right? We talk about it so much. And now that and, and this is another thing we talked about this last year when rates rise, construction is slowing down. Here it is. Construction is slowing down. Um, so uh, I don't believe in the velocity of local governments allowing that. And partly is, you know, uh, do we, do we have enough outside labor coming in to build, you know, uh, if local governments are willing to pay people to build, that's a different, uh, different subject matter altogether. They're not, they're not bounded by supply and demand, uh, economics from people that need to make money. So that to me would be a game changer if the government was willing to pay people to build, because then you don't have the constraints that the builders might have with uh, demand. They just simply build homes for people to live in. But as of now, we just don't have that system. The velocity of inventory just doesn't grow like that. So we're all paying the price uh, uh, in rent and, and especially for home buyers now. So last question, we've talked so much about how much mortgage rates matter. The Federal Reserve is meeting next week. They are almost certainly going to hike rates by, what, 75, 100? What, what are you expecting? 
Uh, most likely 75. Uh, the economic data is getting worse and worse. So I, I, I'm pretty sure they're mindful of this. Uh, they're trying to buy as much time before, you know, uh, in the growth rate of inflation is going to fall. Uh, more, mortgage rates kind of stopped going up recently. So we've kind of that six and a quarter, six and a half level for right now at the top. For me, just, you know, with, with five of my six recession red flags up, traditionally after 1982, what happens is bond yields and mortgage rates fall into a recession. So this is why I'm kind of like not in the higher mortgage rate camp. Where I can be wrong is that the U.S. economy stays more firm than anyone thinks uh, and growth picks up. Uh, so many people are working. We still have $2 trillion of excess savings from the COVID uh, recovery. So the economy just stays firm and inflation doesn't really abate up. Or let's say the Russian-Ukraine uh, situation gets worse or the Chinese-Taiwan situation and there's some supply disruptions just from geopolitical. I, the, the Fed really has no control over that. Uh, so I, you know, they're, they're really pushing the lever uh, uh, on, on, on the economic expansion. We're kind of late in the game. And, you know, the 10 year yield is still at 3% today, uh, which was the same in 2018 and 12. And, you know, so, uh, we'll see how that works out. But my mindset is always that bond yields and mortgage rates fall into a recession and the federal reserve, once they see the labor market, uh, getting weaker, that's their last ticket they're holding on right now. Uh, then they'll change their tune. But the bond market and mortgage rates will kind of get ahead of that. Okay. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. But thank you, as always, Logan. Really appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or... How is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.